bell hooks. This week on commitment and self-love and divine love. So let me hit the slideshow. And lovely with the slideshow, um, you'll get some captions. So let's read this prayer together. Um, and it's okay if you're muted or muted. Um, I like to hear the echoes, it's fine. So let's start, <laughs> let's pray. Into your heart, the heart oh, God, oh God, we commend so live at the edge, whether, whether by choice or through no fault of your own. Teach us to love, us to love O love lover of life. Into your rest, into your rest oh God, we commend those who live in a whirlwind of activity. Teach us to love, O lover of life. Into your presence, O God, we commend those we hurt, whether carelessly, unintentionally, or deliberately. Teach us to love, O lover of life. Into your hands, O God, we commend our loved ones and the strangers in our midst. Teach us to love, O lover of life. Into your depths, O God, and our inner lives and outer journeys. Teach us to love, O lover of life. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I like the echo. I've, you know, zoomed a lot. And this is from a book called, and I think I have, oh, I have it with me, called um, She Who Prays. And it says it's an interfaith prayer book, but it's really more intercultural prayer book. Um, and I got this in New York um, at the Episcopal um, Diocese in, right in Manhattan. I got it at their bookstore like maybe 20 years ago, <laughs> um, but I love this book. So thank you for praying with me. Question, what is the nature of God revealed in Jesus? And this question is in our catechism in the Book of Common Prayer. I'm gonna leave the answer to you. You may <laughs> know the answer, um, but I want us to reflect on this and consider this uh, in tandem with this uh, passage from scripture. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image and to see what, who God is and what is the nature of God in, in relationship to us being made in God's image. And so um, has anyone looked up the answer? Cause I know everybody has their, their book, uh, Nancy Bishop. Yeah, <laughs> um, on page 849 you're talking about, right? Yeah. So what do we mean when we say that Jesus is the only son of God? We mean that Jesus is the only perfect image of the father and shows us the nature of God. And what is the nature of God revealed in Jesus? That was the question. The answer is God is love. Yeah. So he's the perfect. And that's something I was wrestling with, like about perfect love and who is perfect? And he says, you know, you see scripture where God, Jesus will say, no one is perfect, but God, the father. And then there's somewhere else where he says, be perfect, be like God. And so 
um, we have all of this and, and what what does perfection mean? Um, we talking human definitions, boy, we chase that whirlwind like we saw in the prayer, right? This whirlwind of activity for perfection, but what does it mean to just realize that we're created in God's image and that nature of God is love. And, you know, we're gonna get to some Bob Marley <laughs> towards the end of this, but I love to ask, this question, and I wonder if he's asking the question, uh, could you be loved, right? He doesn't say be loved, but could you be loved, like walking around the embodiment of love? And we ask that, you know, we're in his image. I see people uh, use the image, especially being someone who's in seminary, who say, well, we're able to reason like God, and we're able to define what does that mean, right? We always ponder what does it mean to be in, in, made in God's image, and a lot of times here, always to reason. But if we look at the diversity of people and the modality of how people learn, uh, people with mental disabilities, people with mental health disabilities, well, what, what does that reasoning look like um, in that way? So I was thinking, like, well, maybe it's more than that. We still won't get the depth of it. But I'm thinking to maybe embody love, to be love, um, to express love. And this week we're talking about self-love as a, a practice. And could you look in the mirror and sing some of those love songs that we were talking about last week? Can you sing those love songs to yourself? Mm. I asked some people, uh, when I, I led a women's retreat and we read 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8. And I said, first time you read it with love and then replace love with God, replace the word love with Jesus. And then can you put uh, your name in place of love? And there were a few people that started laughing, like when they started reading it to themselves. And so that's always my goal to see if I can put my name in there and imagine myself embodying that kind of love. Hi, Kate. Hi, Femi. Sorry to be a little <laughs> late. Blessings, everyone. Blessings and love. Hmm. Um, so our loving practice, self-love, self-love. And Matthew 22, verses 36 uh, through 40, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law, the greatest commandment. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And it goes back to Leviticus. You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, I am the Lord. And that means, um, listen, <laughs> that's how I take it. The Shema and to listen to God and, and you shall love your neighbor as, and in this way, it's like yourself. And so imagine how do we love ourselves as a loving practice? So, Bell Hooks New Vision, she deals with this week, love as commitment, love as spiritual awakening, love as self-care. And so we'll talk about the ingredients, the other ingredients 
um, as they relate to self-care. But the biggest one that Hooks emphasized this week was commitment. And how does commitment look? And so I know some of you have read these chapters. Um, please feel free to like uh, raise an emoji hand or your real hand if you'd like to um, raise some questions or some thoughts about what you read on hooks and commitment and spiritual awakening and self-care. Any thoughts? <laughs> well, I was um, I was really struck by the way that she talked about um, love, not as a feeling, but as a, a decision um, and a and I and she doesn't like it when people say they fall in love, <laughs> <laughs> which we all say. So you know. That's so much a part of how we speak about love. Um, but uh, there was this great, there was this great way that she put it, like how to say it and how not to say it. Let me see if I can find it. It's so funny. It's so funny. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll I'll let you know if I find it, but it was just it's great. Yeah, she. Funny. Mm -hmm. and and I and and she I love her um commitment to honesty in her writing mm -hmm. and and being so um transparent um about her experiences too her love experiences mm -hmm. um and how she yeah she really in chapter 10 like went all out when it came to romantic love and remember last week we were talking about how, where we read, where we heard First uh, Corinthians 13 the most, and it was like weddings. And here's Hooks, um, you know, pushing, pushing back in the romance thing, and and really raising some interesting arguments about. I found the quote. Love. Can yeah, I share it. the quote? It was so funny. Yeah. It was on page 177, um, <laughs> middle of the page. She said, instead of saying, "I think I'm in love." Um, what if we said, I've connected with someone in a way that makes me think I'm on the way to knowing yeah. love. Or yeah, <laughs> instead of saying, I am in love, we say, I am loving or I will mm -hmm. love. So mm -hmm. more about um, uh, a decision yeah. and will than, um, than, than, a, than a feeling. Yeah, there's something that just comes over you like um, yeah. a ghost or you fall into it and you have no control or power. When she says our patterns around romantic love are unlikely to change if we do not change our language, wow. right? So, mm -hmm. so Mike, you have your hand up. Well, what, what, one of the things uh, that, that I thought was interesting in connection with this, uh, um, and it follows from what the portion that Kate was reading is I, I, I'm, I found somebody that I think I want to fall in love with. And then, then she essentially says, and I can't remember if it's in these chapters or not, but she essentially says, you know, do your due diligence. Uh, 
you spend a huge amount of time figuring out the kind of car you're going to buy, the kind of house you're going to buy, uh, you know, bef before you commit to all of this, uh, uh, you know, do, is this somebody that I really want to commit to? Is this somebody worthwhile spending time on? And if it's not just walk away and start, keep looking. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, and I noticed that um, Skip was, was nodding too. So go ahead, Skip, give your hand up. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm just going, it's going back to the, the, the chapter four on commitment, you know, that, uh, yeah. The whole, whole idea about uh, working better in an environment shaped by an ethic of love. That's on page 63. And she talks about the Buddhist concept of right livelihood. Mm. And uh, that, that, that work that enhances our spiritual well-being strengthens our capacity to love. And so, I mean, those who are fortunate or lucky enough or, or design their life where they do a work or that really is around an ethic of love gives an opportunity to grow and strengthen um, our capacity to love through our through our through our to our uh, vocations or occupation yeah when she says we when we work with love we create a loving working environment and as yeah. um you know like there's there's so many um Things that I underline every time I go back and reread this is another thing that just pops out that I was like, I didn't see that the first time. And then it's something that I want to carry with me and like practice. Like, okay, how do I, how do I create a, a loving working environment mm -hmm. rather than waiting to fall in love with the working space? How do I come into that space? Mm -hmm. like, like she said, I will, I'm willing to love. Um, this, this, this choice and this very um, intentional, mindful practice of love, um, rather than it waiting for it to happen. Um, and it, and it is, it does transform the space. Mm -hmm. I think I really believe that it could transform the space. And she talks about love like it's um, when we fall in love, it's like it's happened. But the way of the practice of love, it's ongoing. Um, and I think, I, let me see, there's a, I think that was in, in chapter uh, 10. I'm going to move to the next one because I think this is chapter 10 with Toni Morrison in The Blue Aside. And I don't know if you've read The Blue Aside, but I like how Hooks puts this in the romantic the section on romantic love, um, but the bluest eye also deals with this self-love and the image. And so I explain it, if no one's read it, I'll explain this book. But she says in her first book, The Bluest Eye, novelist Toni Morrison identifies the idea of romance, romantic love as one of the most destructive ideas in the history of human thought. Its destructiveness resides in the notion that we come to love with no will and no capacity to choose. This illusion perpetuated by so much romantic lore stands in the way of our learning how to love. To sustain our fantasy, we substitute romance for love. And it's so interesting because in the bluest eye, it is about um, self-love and identity. She's dealing with um, a little girl who doesn't like being black. 
And so the blue is like, she wants to look like uh, the standard of beauty of that, that context of that, you know, that time and uh, the culture. And so this was, this was pretty amazing with this first novel because Morrison was dealing with something that um, was common and known amongst African-American women and the culture, but she was really willing to like be honest and write about that. Um, and so to have those two things in it and, and seeing how this distorts how the little girl um, comes to love herself. So any thoughts about this one? Cause this is, this came before uh, I think what uh, Kate and Mike uh, shared. It's in that same section, I believe. So the Harlequin novels. <laughs> um, and the Hallmark movies. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the Lifetime movies and sometimes the Lifetime movies go another way. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have a confession. I used to read them, the Harlequins. I did. No Is more. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I read them. I think it was the covers, the paintings, the, the pictures were so lovely. <laughs> I was drawn to the covers. <laughs> well, just remember, we have a parishioner who has made a quite a good living in Hallmark movies, so we can't trash it too much. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I've had some, some friends and, and a harm, uh, you know, uh, actors in the Hallmark um you know, state channel and also the lifetime as well. So, Question. yeah. So, do they um, love their jobs? Do they, do, yeah. do they love their work? But do they love their work? Are they making a loving working environment? <laughs> so, this is really interesting. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine today about, um, you know, how our our self love as ourselves, right? Love our neighbors as our self-love. How does it impact our expressions of love for others or towards others? And so how is self-love a creative practice? Um, and so uh, this is a scene from Baghdad Cafe. And I don't know if you've seen this movie. Yes, um, wonderful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so this is a scene and this is. Um, well, I'll, I'll let you read um, the expressions here. Hmm. What can I do? 
Yes. Are you sure? Sure. You sure you don't want me to call you a cab? No. Fill this out. Salamo! Uh, a single or a double room? Single. Did your car break down? No car. That'll be $25. Cash a charge. How do you want to pay? How do you want to pay, cash or charge? That's the books. I'm the books. Whatever it takes. Here's your change, and your key. One night, right? I don't know. Where is it? Uh, Mrs. Jasmine? You gotta carry your suitcase yourself. We ain't no grand hotel. My name is Mrs. Münchstetner. Okay. So, if you haven't seen it, I think Mike was talking about how lovely it uh, is of a film. There's all kind of expressions of love in it, but. I wondered if you noticed the woman's face when she asked to speak with the boss and the other woman said, I'm the boss. What did you notice? Did you notice her face? Anybody notice the change in her face? Surprised? Surprise. But was it was it like a negative surprise or a good surprise or? I think negative. Oh, really? <laughs> I, so when I saw it, I think she was happy that the lady was the boss. That's what I was taking it. Because she had this little smirk on her face. Um, hi, Comfort. Hi. <laughs> I <laughs> have trouble on so many. <laughs> Good to see you. Thanks. Um, so yeah, this is a great film. If you ever get a chance to watch it, I believe it's Netflix or Prime, you should be able to see it. But there's so many expressions of love um, in it and not just um, romantic love, like this, this friendship between these two women and um, the giving. And we talk about creating um, the loving work environment. Um, that that Jasmine, even though she's just staying at the hotel, mm -hmm. he turns that space into a loving 
uh, environment. Mm -hmm. She transformed space. Um, and I just love that to where um, the, the owner of the, of the cafe is transformed um, and begins to deal with her issues of um, not loving herself and, and, it's, and it's expressed in that space. Um, how many people have seen this movie already? So. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. Um, uh, 1980s, I believe, mm -hmm. and it had a really famous theme song that was used all over the place. Um, and it was, a, and it was, um, it almost sounded like a prayer um, where she's saying, I'm calling you. And so it was like written in the voice of the, the motel owner who is just really feeling down on the left and, and absolutely stressed out by so many things going on and her lack of self-care is expressed all over mm -hmm. the place. She's lashing out at everyone and uh, Jasmine comes along and, and, and um, in, in, in very subtle way, lovingly transforms the place. And um, even though she's hurting herself. Um, so yeah, if you get a chance, please watch it. Please watch the name. Because I yes, logged on late, <laughs> maybe. Uh, what's the name? That's okay. Um, here it is, right here. It's called Baghdad Cafe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me see. Let me switch. It keeps playing. Okay. So um, another uh, scene, and I'm asking, like from last week, because I said um, to intentionally, mindfully practice love. Uh, last week, think about how love could be a ch choice, um, how we choose to love. I did speak on love being um, a creative practice where we could create, um, create through love. And so I use uh, images of um, sewing tools and gardening tools and hair stylist tools to create or to mend um, broken relationships or brokenness in us. And then also about love um, as a tool of reconciliation, reconstruction or restoration, however we choose um, to see. Uh, love is healing. Um, and so just checking time, make sure we have enough time, um, but how was it? So I'm asking those people who came last week and, and perhaps um, something for those who are joining this week for next week. Um, but how was it to think about love or be mindful to keep love on your mind as a daily practice? To maybe say what Bell Hook said, I am willing to love or I'm going to go out into the world and love or, you know, like, um, when I'm serving um, on the altar, like I'm, I'm trying to be intentional about love being practiced there. Um, when I watch Skip with the incense, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking, oh, I'd like to do that, but if, you know, I'm so nervous, I would say I might drop it or, you know, but watch Skip do it. There's a confidence, there's a love for that, all that frankincense going on. Um, 
And, you know, myself and Mother Kate, we love the smell of it. We're always talking about like how good it smells and how we punch. Mm -hmm. It does put us in that prison. So um, some thoughts on, on love as a mindful, daily, intentional practice, anyone? Somebody. <laughs> Hey, there's a lot of lovely people in here. I didn't know. Hi. Sending you some love. Well, I, I'll throw something out. Uh, and this is something I was taught as a child. Um, um, but there, there are a lot of people um, who assist you in your day-to-day -day life. Um, you know, the people who work at your gym, people who are cleaning mm -hmm. machines, uh, mm -hmm. The people yeah. who are cleaning your tables uh, at restaurants, um, um, and, and people of that sort, and, and and my parents were were very good about making sure that they were not treated essentially as furniture. That that you always said hello to mm -hmm. them, uh, you always smiled at them, you treated them as, as human beings, um, you you thanked them. Um, and um, I was always very grateful for, for that from my parents because uh, a lot of people really just treat them as furniture. And, and so they really will just spark up when you actually treat them as, as being there and thank them for it. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is if you treat them as nice people, uh, and recognize them and you need something, they will be much more cooperative in helping you, uh, so. Yeah. So since someone put in the chat, um, they wanted me to repeat the question. And so um, I know it's for both, it's for both people are here for the first time this week and then people are here uh, from last week, is like, what was it like to intentionally and mindfully engage with love as a daily practice? And then also, you know, for those who are just coming this week, like, well, what, what will it be like if you imagine that or do you have... Um, memory of doing that um, in a daily life. Like, I think I just mentioned something that may seem small, but smiling at people. Um, and and um, there are times when I walk into a store or, you know, um, someone is serving me and they seem to appear to be in a bad mood. And so a lot of times a bad mood, we just assume that's how they are towards us. They're in a bad mood, a terrible serve or whatever. But I found out when I asked them, well, how are you doing today? Like really sit there and hold the space for the answer. <laughs> um, and they know that I'm really paying attention uh, present. Then I would hear, well, I'm not feeling so well today. And that did happen where um, the young lady was pregnant. She wasn't having a good day. Um, and once she found that I was listening and then there was some that eased a lot of whatever tension was there. So just like that, that type of thing of asking the question, how are you today without it just being uh, kind of like a greeting, but it actually um, being a way of connecting with people. Um, and so we, we, we can do that when we're in church in the community and we're um, giving each other the peace. Um, and I think that's so lovely in our tradition because we get to make eye contact with people. 
Um, we get to smile. Um, and that's, that's an expression of love that's passing, you know, not just peace, but a lot of love too. Yeah. Um, uh, Melinda, mm -hmm. uh, one thing I do is if people do a good job and, you know, you talk with a lot of customer service people on the phone and if they do a really good job, I, I ask for the supervisor and tell them what a good job they did. And I also do it in stores. And what usually happens when you ask for the manager, they, they kind of go, oh, you know, you're going to criticize me or criticize something. And I, I don't, you know, well, I might if it was, a, but I compliment their employee and they just look so surprised that, um, I mean, I believe in doing that uh, when somebody does a good job. And I also, I lived in the Philippines. I was in the Peace Corps when it started. And so there are a lot of Filipinos that are doing customer service. And, and depending, I will sometimes speak to them in Tagalog or I will sing them a Philippine song. And they just are absolutely amazed. <laughs> it's, it's fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's another way that we show people um, who who may be uh, different from us when we are extending like to learn somebody's language or learn at least to say thank you and hello or um, uh, or, you know, some other uh, statements or another person's language. It is the way that you could build a bridge um, and people do find that fascinating that that you kind of stepped um, outside of your comfort zone to, to try another language. <laughs> um, so that's that's well, wonderful. Well, it's just fun, you know, and, and yeah. sometimes I get, you know, I don't really get into long conversations, but it's just, you know, I say, well, I lived in your country and and um, that's why I know these songs and that mostly they're just totally shocked. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Can I piggyback on that? Oh. Yeah, someone else. Yeah, go ahead, Nancy. Yeah, um, it's just when I talk to customer service people on the phone and they always they always give their name right at the beginning, like, hello, my name is Ronald. How can I help you? I write down the name. And then at the end of the conversation, I say, thank you so much, Ronald. That You've been really helpful. <laughs> just a little thing. And it's just so easy. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and that's wonderful because we never know <laughs> what uh, things they hear throughout the day, if they're customer service and what right. uh, things happen. And so how that could turn uh, their work environment into, that brings a little love into their work environment. Yeah. And, and it's especially, just so yeah, especially now because people work remote. Yeah. So they're not having that kind of team. I mean, yeah. some some good things about that, but not having like oh, someone in the cubicle next to them cheering them on or to talk about their day. Um, and the morning huddle is, you know, Zoom. And so it's really nice that they have someone kind of cheering them on from the customer. Yeah. So, nice. so um, I have another um, clip to share with you. And it's from um, 
uh, a made-for-television uh, movie that actually comes from a novel by um, Gloria Naylor. And so if you, you know me, I love my literature, I love novels, and um, I look at them as um, um, artifacts. I kind of um, analyze them and say, what are they telling us about God? Um, what are they telling us about relationship, community, love? Um, and then what is God telling me about this artifact? And so this scene um, comes after, uh, and this is the women of Brewster Place. And so it's a community of women that actually live in this apartment building, but it's a whole neighborhood, really small neighborhood of um, people who who have somewhat been marginalized. And so they're they're forced into this little small uh, section of, of the city. And um, it stars Oprah Winfrey. Uh, but this, this scene happens right after one of their, uh, a senior citizen in their community is murdered by accident and uh, a member um, of their community who's LGBTQ uh, was, um, uh, attacked, and um, so they're they're responding to all of this 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 violence and um, the things that have happened in their community, um, and so just how love is explored or expressed in this situation. So I want you to look at this. See, tell me what you see. What does it say about love? Um, how can love um, reconstruct? How does love show up in like? this very difficult moment in the, in the scene. Part in the motorcycle. <laughs> That's why I don't trust trying no more. The harder folks try, the most something come along, smack them down. Always something standing in the way of good. Locking it out. Just like that wall. Locking up this street.
if you're going to see the movie, I just kind of spoiled it for you because you saw the end. But <laughs> but I but the end was so um, powerful that I had to share it here and to talk about um, in the con talk about it in the context of love, self love, love in the community, um, and it shows up all throughout this film as well. Um, people um, helping to restore uh, one another uh, through a lot of difficult times like you'll see these women become friends and their friendships um help ma maintain um how could I say help keep them uh in spite of all the challenges that they go through and especially this was a big big turning point in the film like I thought where you know what what is going on when I when I saw it I haven't read the book um though I've read uh Naylor's other works but um she was addressing um, some things that right now, like we seem like they work with our times, but this film I believe came out in the eighties. And so to talk about violence against LGBTQ bodies, um, violence against um, our senior citizens, but to make those the turning point in a film where everybody is outraged and everybody is um, coming together uh, to to push back against that type of violence. Like I thought that was really amazing. It's something that I, I was too young to get it when I first saw it, but as I look at it now, I think, wow. So how is love expressed in the women tearing down the wall? And what does the wall represent? Um, you've only seen a little bit, but I have that question for you. Yeah, Nancy Bishop. Bishop. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> uh, I just was going to ask you what the wall represented because it was just there and it seemed uh, that something prior to that had made it significant, but I had no idea, so. Oh, good, okay, if you don't mind, I wanna spoil it, but. Um... Can I answer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brenda, hi. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. See you. So th this story is about um, um, some Black women who lived in a tenement housing project. And as Femi was saying, had befriended each other and supported each other in all of their um, struggles. And so the wall is actually racial injustice and it's oppression and it's poverty and it's all the things associated with what they had come to learn to live with and live through in this movie. Um, or at least that's the way I interpreted it. I think there's a, you know, obviously the, it's, uh, you know, standing for justice Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's more than, you know, in, in a, a loving way. I mean, it's a, it's another side of love standing for justice for the sake of standing for justice is important, but to do it, um, you know, to do it on somebody's behalf, I think is a, a kind of love that's really, really important. And the, and arm, the arm stroking, stroking, the arm, arm stroking, stroking that, that 
Um, um, Jack, Jack Hayes' character, character provided, provided for Oprah's, Oprah's character, character was, was also a loving, loving gesture, gesture to say, to say I, I, support I support you without, without using those, those words. words. So, 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 Great. Okay. Um, so that, that wall, um, when she says, every time I want to, you know, we, we want something good, here comes, uh, you know, something else that happens and something that harms them. And they keep trying to uh, stick together as well. Um, there, there's all kind of uh, tragic things that happen to the women actually bring them together too. And someone's asking what's the name of the movie. Uh, that's the women of Brewster, Brewster Place by Gloria Naylor. So it's also a novel, um, but it was also uh, a movie. And I'm trying to figure out uh, where it might be available. It could be Prime or Netflix that you can find it. But that expression of love, that expression of community, that expression of self-love um, in, in wanting to stand up for justice. And I believe Bell Hooks um, talks about uh, responsibility um, and, and being re responsible, like taking some, uh, some, some uh, responsibility for, and it was really how interesting how she put that together. I think that's uh, chapter, for um, about this low self-esteem and uh, and things happening to us and how we respond. And I think I found it. Uh, it's page 57. And she says, taking responsibility does not mean that we deny the reality of institutionalized injustice. For example, racism, sexism, homophobia, all create barriers and create incidents of discrimination Simply taking responsibility does not mean that we can prevent discriminatory acts from happening, but we can choose how we respond to acts of injustice. Taking responsibility means that in the face of barriers, we still have the capacity to invent our lives, to shape our destiny, destinies in a way that maximize our well-being. Every day we practice this shape-shifting to cope with realities we cannot easily change. So that's page 57. And I like how she put that together because oftentimes I hear taking responsibility as maybe putting too much on the targets of discriminatory acts. But she's not saying that, she's, she's saying that we can invent our lives and shape our destinies. And so that made me think of the women of Brewster's place because there's so, there's so much that happens to them and especially that main character <laughs> where sometimes she doesn't um, empower herself. 
Um, and I think Brenda, you've seen you've seen the film or you've read the book. Um, and you remember if we, you know, you will what you'll everybody looks like somebody put it here. Um, Kate did, but there there are incidents where that main character um, does not take responsibility in a way where she can empower herself or express self-love. And um, that goes back to what we'll be talking about next week is our understanding of, of love in our childhood. Um, and that shows up in the beginning of that movie, like the self-love that, or the love that she didn't get in our childhood or how it was expressed to her um, by spankings and, and that type of thing. So um, let me move on. I'm gonna share my screen again and there'll be no more movie clips. <laughs> um, but just move on. Okay. So we consider these things from hooks. Commitment to truth telling lays ground for, and I've got to move this so I can see, um, lays ground for groundwork. I won't move now. Um, for openness and honesty, that is the heartbeat. Um, the more we accept ourselves, the better uh, we are to take responsibility, prepare we are to take responsibility for all areas of our lives. And so imagine how different our lives will be if as individuals who claim to be Christians or who are religious, uh, we're setting an example of being loving. Um, and then uh, self-love cannot flourish in isolation. So I use some examples of truth tellers um, from scripture. And uh, we know about Nathan and Samuel as prophets. Um, Nathan called out David uh, concerning Bathsheba and Uriah. Um, Samuel had to call out Paul, oh, Saul, excuse me, Saul. Um, and then um, the woman in John 4 did some truth telling um, in a different way. She was very honest about who she was um, in expressing who she was. So any thoughts on that? Like, why did I include the woman in John 4? I wanna give her a name. <laughs> A lot of these women do not have names, and I just want to say, oh, I want to name her something um, based on her, her courage. Um, so any thoughts on the, you, the, woman in, the woman at the well who um, comes to the well in, in the noonday, and it's hot, and Jesus asked her for a drink and then she starts talking to him and saying, how can you as a Jew want to, you know, even talk to me? And so Jews, Jewish folk did not talk with Samaritans and men did not talk with women in public, but um, this is the longest conversation Jesus has with anyone in the gospels. So did anybody see her as a truth teller? <laughs> what do you mean by truth teller really so um truth telling in bell hooks is like 
telling telling the truth, being during, being transparent, um, when being honest about what what happens in a relationship. Um, so, um, in the, chapter four, commitment, let love be love. Hooks talks about being committed to truth telling, and so as she what she means. Commitment to truth telling lays the groundwork for the openness and honesty that is the heartbeat of love. And so in the context of love, especially when we talk about um, falling in love, it's really interesting when people fall into love or romantic love, um, how little truth telling happens in that context. So let me know if it's just me. <laughs> but uh, I remember when I fell in love uh, my high school days or fall in love with friendships, um, when I saw some red flags or some things that I needed to call out, I didn't do it. So how, you know, what's the relationship with, um, that's the kind of truth telling I'm talking about uh, comfort. Uh, okay. yeah. it's, it's, Bell Hook says that it's important that we do it that we confront our challenges. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, I'll leave you with that because we are running out of time. Um, Self-love cannot flourish in isolation. I'll leave you with that. And um, I think that that uh, breaks up the difference between uh, selfishness and uh, self-care. Um, is knowing that it can't flourish in isolation. Um, so then Hooks didn't, you heard me say this last week, so I'm gonna get through this really quick. Hooks did not like Tina Turner's chart-topping song. Uh, why? Because that, again, had to do with that type of love of falling in love, but it was also kind of this um, popular culture disregard for real love. Um, but Turner's story, uh, was about overcoming low self-esteem and embracing self-love. If you've ever seen the movie, What's Love Got to Do With It? It is no easy task to be self-loving. So um, what's the difference between self-centeredness, selfishness, and self-love? Something to ponder. Is self-centeredness the opposite of love or is love, fear expressed as self-centeredness or selfishness the opposite of love? And um, I leave you with this song. So I don't know if you, any of you have heard of, of Seal, uh, yeah. singer songwriter. Yeah, somebody mm -hmm. yes, great. Yes, so I love Seal. Uh, my husband and I, we love Seal. We love his songs, and he has a song called "Love's Divine," and I love how um, he talks about. Uh, the rainstorm came over me and I felt my spirit break. I had lost all of my belief, you see, and realized my mistake. But time threw a prayer to me and all around me became still. And he says, I need love. Love's divine. Please forgive me. Now I see that I've been blind. Give me love. Love is what I need to help me know my name. And so this love and I'm like who is he talking to you know I was trying to figure out what's the direction of this and it just sounds like a prayer um to God like I've been blind I need I need self-love I need spiritual awakening 
So I'm going to stop the share. Um, my computer will let me stop the share. Okay, great. And we're about to close. I don't want to keep you. I want to express love and it, it, how to say respect your time. I want to thank you for coming. Next week, we're going to be doing chapter two, three, and nine and uh, dealing with childhood experiences of love. So children in love and our childhood experiences of love and how uh, we come to know love as children. Um, and so I, I strategically made that in the middle of this course because for some of us, childhood love can be a triggering um, thing, topic to discuss. And so I figured I'd rather not go right into that in our second week, but let us embrace self-love first. Um, any questions, any comments for me before uh, Bob Marley and Jimi Hendrix, myself, we leave. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm Melinda here. I, I probably won't see you next week. I'm going back to my home, Chicago, to visit a lot of friends. So uh, I'll be about a week. I don't have relatives there. I just have a lot of friends, but that's where I've lived more than half my life. So I'm, I may miss the meeting. Sorry, I will miss it. Well, you, you'll be um, expressing love in Chicago with your friends. Oh, yes. It, it, it's, I'm really looking forward <laughs> to it. I mean, uh, it's going to be a blast. I have a schedule, you know, breakfast with one person and then lunch with another one and dinner with another one. And then I'm going to also visit my ex-husband who's in a uh, retirement place. So we're still friends. <laughs> yeah, you're expressing love. And, yeah. and may you have a great time. Um, well, thank you. And thank you very much. I, I'm enjoying the class. I'm not going to say love. I, I'm enjoying the class. I'm willing to love. Um, thank you, Skip. Have a good night. Um, thank you all. And may you just have a really good night. Um, and I hope to see you next week. And if you can't come, that's fine. Do the readings. I did put the Google Drive link in there, which has a digital uh, Book of Common Prayer, the digital copy of this book, and the outline of the course. So feel free to go into that link. Um, and Mother Kate has, you have uh, the outline of the course too. And I think, I believe you've emailed some of us. So um, let me see, I think I can put that link in here one more time if you haven't gotten it. Yes. So here it is again in the chat. Yes. And you can copy that and put it somewhere. But thank you so much for coming. Um, go in peace, love and serve the Lord. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mosh. <laughs> Bye-bye. So Bye. Amen. Amen. <laughs>